Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Created for those committed to mastery and success. Coming to you from Manly, Australia, we break down the science and philosophy of optimal performance so you can unleash your potential. Welcome to the Flow State Performance Podcast. This is Jira Taylor. I'm sitting in Manly. It's a beautiful sunny Monday morning and I've had a fantastic weekend and I've had a beautiful week of self-discovery and self-exploration and this is a very special episode that I wanted to present to you uh, where you get just me, just me talking about some of the themes that have been reverberating around my consciousness over the past couple of weeks and this episode is called Peeling the Onion, the practice of becoming aware of who we really are and this is coming to you from a place of me feeling that um, I'm coming into a new stage or a new season of my life. Uh, In Australia we've just left summer. Summer is a period in nature where a lot of stuff gets done. Um, A lot of shagging, a lot of finding food, a lot of uh, just playing outside. And um, in nature, when you move into autumn and winter, that's obviously a time where you are relying on the the stores and the resources that you have gained um, in summertime. And you're generally slowing down or hibernating even. for me, I feel like I've come out of this summer stage where there was some frenetic business activity. There was a lot of stuff, a lot of pushing, a lot of learning about marketing, a lot of this, that, and the other, and primarily a lot of me operating on the laptop for hours and hours and hours on on end. Um, and increasingly, I've been feeling enslaved by my possessions, by the fact that there's a lot of stuff in my life. And increasingly, I've been feeling like my personal practice, the commitment to my meditation, my contemplation and my spiritual path is there, but it's been pushed further towards the edges of my life. So I've made a renewed commitment to rebuild my life in this season around three main initiatives. The first is what I'm calling 4 by 4 which is just a four-hour day on digital for four days a week. So Friday is just pure playtime for me. And the other days of the week, I'm just going to do four hours of laptop stuff. Um, And in that space that opens up, I'm going to play, I'm going to explore, I'm going to meditate, I'm going to meet people, I'm going to create. The second initiative is what I'm kind of calling, I've got a friend who's got something called 100 Things, so I can't call it that. So maybe I'll call it 101 Things or thereabouts. And this is uh, the process of minimalizing, essentializing, um, decluttering my life and becoming aware of all the possessions that I have and consciously choosing the ones that I wish to keep or the ones that serve me, the ones that don't enslave me. Um, so this is a kind of a, a dawning process. If you were to look at my the place where I'm sitting right now, you'll see that I've stacked hundreds and hundreds of books into different piles. And on some piles are the ones that I'm just definitely giving away and some are just a pile where I just can't handle giving away. So I'm thinking whether books just get an exemption. But this is a symbolic act of decluttering. This is a symbolic act. Whether it's 100 things or 200 things, it's not the point. It's this process of consciously choosing, becoming aware of what there is in this life. What are these possessions that I've accumulated? What is the cost of me detaching myself from these possessions? All these questions fascinate me. The final initiative that I'm building my life around in this new season that I'm in is my recommitment to my personal practice. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. I wanted to get deeper into what this practice is, why this practice is so important, how you guys can um, have, build your own practice, what's involved in the practice, and what you guys can do next if you wish to commit to a practice like I am doing at the moment. So stick around till the end of the episode, guys. This is really something that's coming from my heart. And um, there's going to be a very special offer at the end of the episode. 
Um, so I hope that you get value from this. And thank you so much for listening to the Flow State Performance Podcast. So today I want to talk about what the practice means to me. Really the practice of self-awareness that I'm referring to. And this sounds vague or slippery to some people. So my intent is to peel back the layers of the onion so that we can have a more robust and practical understanding of what self-awareness really means. To be self-aware is to be conscious of or to be aware of you. You are the self in the phrase self-awareness. And I'm not talking about you as Mr. Joe Bloggs or Sarah the dentist or Raphael the school teacher. And I'm not even talking about you as dad or a son or mother, wife, brother. I'm not talking about who you want to be. And I'm not talking about your alter ego who comes out after you've smashed the tequilas. I'm talking about the you who is yourself, the you who feels happy when you see the sunrise, the you who feels grounded when you come home from traveling, the you who feels alive when playing, the you who feels nurtured when you're surrounded by loved ones, the you who feels sad when someone passes away, the you who sometimes you show, but often you hide from the world. So therefore, to be self-aware is to be aware of this self, this real self, this authentic self. And the practice that I talk about is whatever means you have to deepen your awareness of this, of this authentic self and to express this authentic self. So often people talk about higher consciousness or expanding your consciousness or living consciously or raising consciousness. And I think it's helpful to break this down. It's a wonderful paradigm when understood, but it's probably just an annoying hippie cliche when not understood. So if I were to say, I intend to live more consciously, the consciousness in this context refers to awareness. In other words, I intend to live with greater self-awareness. I intend to be more conscious of my true self. So this way of understanding obviously throws up a duality. If there is a true self, then by definition, there must be a false self. And yes, indeedy, this is, this is now where we're getting somewhere. This is the whole point of the practice. So can you agree that we all want to be free? You want to be free, right? I want to be free. I want to feel free. I'm pretty sure that every person that I bump into, if I were to walk out my door right now in Manly, wants to be free. But what is it that keeps us unfree? Why are we not all living our lives free from the constraints of worry, fear, anxiety? Why are we not all flying high, running wild, expressing ourselves, doing what we dream of, imagining and then creating our dream futures? Why are we often more like human doings than human beings? Why does a situation exist where a man or a woman can spend the best years of his or her life accumulating possessions and status and security and then reach the end point and the realization that they've missed out on the whole point of living? How can this be? How can this be that, that there's that, the case of that famous nurse who looked after the dying people and who always asked them what it is that they wished that they had done differently in their lives? And the answer that came up time and time and time again was, I wish that I had lived more true to myself. So how does this condition exist? Why is it that we are unfree to live true to ourselves? Why is it that we must 
have this situation where there is this opposition to living true to ourselves? Is it because there are scarce resources so we must hustle really hard to hoard them for our survival? Or is it because the world is so dangerous and so uncertain that it behooves us to live in a perpetual state of red alert? Or is it because we have become conditioned to think and behave in a certain way? Is it because all the noise out there, all the goings on out there in the world outside of our minds must pass through the filter of our minds to become part of who we are? And is it because this filter itself, the filter of our minds, has become so shaped by the currents of the world that we live in that we feel unfree? I really think that's the case. I really feel like the reason we are unfree is because we mistake our conditioning for our reality. Just think about how you entered this world, like a little cute baby, a little being free from the conditioning of this lifetime. And you could see it in your eyes, you could feel it in your aura, purity. Even if you screamed and shat all day long, there was a purity that other people could sense, an innocence as white as white can be. And then life happens. You learn quickly that love is in fact conditional. You learn that if you behaved in a certain way, certain things happen. If you ate your veggies, you got the ice cream. You were told you were not enough in many subtle or unsubtle ways. You were graded and divided by tests and numbers. You were measured like pieces of wood. You were judged by what you said and did, not for who you were. And by the time you exited this institution of mainstream education, you'd probably been subject to 13 to 20 years of industrial era conditioning. Like the same systems that were used to forge steel and build machines have literally been used to shape your mind, my mind, and the minds of the people around us. And if you think I'm exaggerating this, let's just look at what happens next when we leave this institutionalized education. So now we have an identity. We've graduated. We have achievements. We have labels. We have certificates. We have a cool square hat. And like a cog in a machine, we have a serial number and a job to do. So now we progress to this next stage of cultural conditioning, which is the workforce. Hooray! Now we can list all of our achievements and labels on one piece of paper and send them to an institution that will pay us money if we exchange that for our time. And now we can jump on LinkedIn.com and we can create this wonderful, grandiose rendition of what functions we serve and what cog in the machine we are and how we wish to be seen by the world. And now we can spend 200 hours a week, 200 hours a month maybe, 40 hours a week or whatever it is with colleagues and, and bosses and people who sometimes we'll never know. We'll never know them beyond that elevator banter. And we learn quickly that just like in school, certain actions result in certain results. So we spend much time preparing our masks so it looks like we're committed to doing the best actions to get the best results. Because if someone catches us unaware and realizes that we don't actually give a fuck, that's disastrous. It would be disastrous if someone were to catch us without our mask on. And so we become conditioned to exist on this artificial level, living through a facade. It's what everyone else is doing. It seems to work to hide one's weaknesses and vulnerabilities. And it seems terrifying to express something that is not passed through the filter of, is this appropriate? And so we hide what we feel and we allow the emotions to build up unexpressed, repressed, layering upon each other like a crust. And underneath this crust is the dying true self, who we really are, what makes us come alive, what it feels like to be free. 
And so day after day, year after year, this thing, this crust, this identity, this ego self, this caricature develops. And we walk further and deeper into a prison of our own making. So to answer the question, what is it that keeps us unfree? The answer is, it is the connection to this identity that keeps you unfree. You are mistaking conditioning for reality. Cool, so how can I become unfree? It's all well and good knowing the problem. Give me the goddamn solution. Well, I went to a workshop with an incredibly wise man called Carlos Pomeda on Saturday. And I'll put a link to his website in the show notes. But I was really struck by this guy's simple wisdom and just profound intelligence and experience in life. And he was discussing this very theme of conditioning and freedom. And he said, in answer to the question, how do we become, un how do we become free? He said, well, you walked into this prison, so just go backwards out the way you came. <laughs> and this is true, but the thing is, we did not consciously walk into this prison, but we must consciously walk out of it. You cannot just stumble out of this prison unconscious, accidentally. You must be aware of your imprisonment. You must be aware that the door is always open. And you must be aware that there is freedom outside. So to be aware and conscious is to be free. And to be unaware and therefore unconscious is to be unfree. For the unconscious, decisions are made through reaction or through playing out the automatic patterns of our conditioning. So when we're not recognized for the work that we've done, we automatically feel resentment, we feel pain. When someone pushes in front of us in the queue or turns left without indicating, indignation and judgment arise like an unstoppable force if we're unconscious. When someone tells us that we're wrong, we retreat all herd into our shell, we put up our defenses and we shy away from the conscious examination of what it is that they were referring to. We shy away from the conscious examination of reality. And the irony is, is that even if we think we are making conscious decisions, often we're not, because the conditioning can be so deep and so strong that it's actually a subconscious program that is influencing our decisions. So therefore, you might say, hey, I commit to going on a diet. I commit to losing weight. And you may tell yourself that you're doing this for your own well-being or because you want to be healthy or you want to be a role model for your kids. This feels noble but you may be carrying with you the residue of cultural conditioning that says being overweight is not sexy. You should be lean. Why don't you look like a Calvin Klein model with six pack with a six pack? In other words, you may be pretending to be acting from love, but actually acting from fear. And this brings me to a very powerful lens through which to examine ourselves in a conscious way. This simple question, am I acting through love or fear? It sounds like a cliche. I remember seeing that on a poster walking past a cafe once. Uh, there is a choice in life. You can act through love or fear. We choose love. And I remember reading it when I first read it. And it just passed over through, through one ear and out the other, like some sort of cliche, like some sort of spiritual light kind of thing. And it was years later that it actually sunk in. And I found it true in my life experience that love and fear are binary they are oppositional. They are two separate sides of the coin. And this is not just fluffy New Ageism. This is practical and actionable. So if you are considering, for example, leaving your job to start a new business, ask yourself, 
Am I doing this through love or fear? What you will find is that fear is the language or the energy of this caricature, this mask, this facade, your LinkedIn profile, your ego self. And what you'll find is that love is the energy of your true self, of what lies beneath that crust. This can be very subtle and very tricky to distinguish because, of course, you've been subject to a lifetime of conditioning that's created a perception of what love is that's very far from the truth. And contrary to Hollywood illusions, love is simply acceptance of what is. Love is not something you do involving flowers or chocolate or sacrifice. It's not something that you are. It is a state of being that is always there. In fact, it's the default state when we have dismantled and removed all the conditioned programs that keep us from fully accepting. So when wise people like the Dalai Lama or Carlos Pomeda or Alan Watts or Eckhart Tolle, when they talk of presence, when they talk of living in the moment, living in the now, this goes to a depth that can only be understood with practice. Unless you have a practice, you don't actually know what they really mean because living in the moment is far more than stopping to smell the roses. Living in the moment is this gateway to develop full acceptance of what is, that is, to live with love. So this angst that we feel, that often my clients feel, that I see so often when I walk out there into the world, and I see obviously within myself as well, but this angst that we feel that is rooted in non-acceptance of what is. There's this anxious feeling, it feels nauseous, we feel it in our stomach, and it keeps us from enjoying our Sunday evening. It's that typical Sunday evening dread of the Monday morning, and it's that feeling that this life that we have is not good enough. This is fear. This is the non-acceptance of what is. But the illusion that so many people buy into is that this anxiety or this perpetual state of unease about the present moment reality is necessary because it can help us, it can drive us to creating a better future. And I feel that this is the fundamental problem. This cultural illusion that we are not good enough and that to fix this requires us to be more of something or to do more of something. This is what keeps us locked into this hamster wheel going round and round forever. And this is the truth that I have found in my life. Your situation in life may well be unsuited for who you are, but you are enough. You are all you can be, and you are all you will ever be. You are already it. It's only when you can remove the obstacles to this knowing that you can actually be free. The conditionings, the, the obstacles are your conditioning, which creates this false sense of self. It's the judgment of yourself for not showing your full self. It's the illusion that you can use the same level of consciousness to solve the problem that got us into this pickle in the first place. You cannot ego your way out of this. You cannot think your way out of this. You cannot compete your way out of this. This requires this sort of acceptance, this loving acceptance, this connection to your true self requires a new set of tools and techniques and a new lens through which to see the world. Well, actually, they're very ancient. <laughs> There's nothing new about them. They're a very ancient set of tools and techniques. But sometimes people say to me, and I hear it all the time, I just don't see how sitting there meditating 
watching my mind, practicing mindfulness will do anything. Like I don't actually want to be like those dreadlocked hippies who smell a little bit and try and sell me crystals in Byron Bay. And I get what you're saying. Like I'm a real world person with entrepreneurial goals and I want to give my kids a great education as well. And I know that that doesn't pay for itself. But all of that stuff is external stuff. That's all outside stuff. That is not actually the direct concern of the practice. That is not the point of walking a path to a more conscious life. Your external reality reflects your internal state and your practice will lead you to a knowing of who you really are. And from that place, you can make decisions about the external world that will reflect authenticity, that will reflect who you really are. Instead of making decisions about your external world based on a false sense, an egoic sense, a manufactured or an artificial sense of self, you'll begin to make decisions and choices in your life that reflect who you really are. So what's next? How do you get started? Well, there's many ways to get started on a practice, like meditation is this ancient tool that I refer to. Um, meditation is really the tool of coming home. It's, it's really the tool of becoming reacquainted with who you are. So you see the grand paradox that many can't get over is that discipline is the path to freedom. When we build and commit to a structure in our life that we have consciously chosen, then we become free to play within this structure. We become free because we've consciously chosen this path. And the discipline of having a path or a practice means that you have built this playground or you've built like this experimental laboratory into your own life. And in that lab, you can now examine what parts of you are real and authentic and what parts of you are the result of conditioning. I'll say that again. So when you have a practice, when you build a practice, which probably involves meditation, contemplation, it might involve journaling, it might involve visualization, it might involve gratitude. There's many things that this practice can involve. But when you build this into your life, it's like building a playground or an experimental laboratory within which you can now examine the parts of you that are real and authentic and the parts of you that are fake, i.e. the result of conditioning. And through the practice of contemplation, you can examine why you have these parts within you. And with the practice of compassion, you can accept them fully, but choose a new way to be. You can choose a new path of conditioning. You can choose to condition yourself consciously. And through this practice of mindful living, you can learn to inhabit more fully this moment in time so that the regrets about the past, the anxiety about the future, these things do not dominate our consciousness. We can learn to accept what is with love, with trust, and with a surrender that's so courageous, you hardly know what it means yet. So through the practice of meditation, you come home. You come home to who you really are. And at home, you can put down your baggage of conditioning and just rest. So this is the path. This is the practice to living a more aware life, to be conscious, to live in flow, to live with a practice. And I just want to make abundantly clear that this is not about adding anything. This is about taking away. The practice does not add the practice only takes away. And as Carlos Pomeda told us in this workshop on Saturday that I attended, you are what you are, you are already what you are seeking. There is no goal, 
You are utterly free already. You are already what you are seeking. There is no goal. You are utterly free already. So guys, what does my practice look like? How can you get started on your practice? Well, I've told you the nuts and bolts of it. In there, meditation, contemplation, mindful living, gratitude, all these sorts of things. My path has been laid down by wise people in the past, masters past, masters present. And meditation is really the core of my practice. And if you want to dive deeper into this practice, I'm offering everybody out there the chance to join me as I dive deeper into my practice and you dive into your practice. So I'm just calling it The Practice with me, with Flow State. This is not a course that I'm selling. It's not a six-week course that's going to that's gonna accelerate you and explode you into a life of magnificence and abundance. I'm not promising you anything. This is your practice. You decide what this is going to give to you. I've made my intentions about my practice, but I'm offering to share the space, to hold the space, to create this virtual space through this Facebook book, uh, Facebook page, where I'm going to be sharing videos and ideas and tips and quotes and wisdom and support and all those sorts of accountability things. I'm going to be holding this space. But I don't, my, my primary aim is not to teach you anything. It's to share. It's to pay respects to all the masters that have helped me in my life, the, the traditions and the, lineage, the lineages that I have so much respect for. And I'm just offering this for free or for donation, if you feel it, for anybody that wants to commit to this practice of mindfulness, of awareness, of living consciously. So there's a link in the show notes where you can put your email and the next step would be for me to send you a long email with information on how you can get started, how can you engage, um, how you can access this private Facebook page. Um, So once again, I'm not promising you any transformation. I'm simply offering to share my space as I commit to my practice. I will be sharing tools and techniques and I will be shining a light on an ancient path for modern life because I'm passionate about this, guys. I feel purposeful about this. I feel like this is what the world needs. So go to the website, guys, to find more. Um, Go to flowstatecollective.com and you'll see there along the top banner, the practice. And you click that link, you put your email in and it'll give you the next steps for how to engage in this. Um, I'm personally kicking off on Thursday. Um, which is going to be the 14th of April, 2016. But this is going to be an open thing where you can jump in at any time you like. And this isn't just for people who have never meditated. I'm welcoming people who have meditated and then given up or people who meditate every single day with practice and commitment. I'd love to share your energy. I'd love to learn about your techniques. I'd love to give a space for other people to learn from what it is that you've developed through this process, this practice of awareness. So please join it. Don't feel like this isn't for you. This is for everybody. This is what we need at this time to help all of us. And that's the way, that's the message that's coming from my heart. So thanks for listening, guys. And um, please go to flowstatecollective.com. Look for the practice to sign up. You See ya. Thanks for listening to the Flow State Performance Podcast. Check us out at www.flowstateperformance.com for more inspiration to unleash your potential.